Your Locked On Senators, your daily podcast on the Ottawa Senators. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm Jake Sanderson, and you're listening to Locked On Senators Podcast. I'm Tim Stützle, and you're listening to the Locked On Senators Podcast. Welcome inside episode 526 of the Locked On Senators Podcast. I'm Ross Levitan on the outskirts of enemy territory in Winnipeg, Manitoba, alongside Brandon Pillar up in the Blue Mountains. And it's an off day today for the Sens as they travel to Detroit. They're about to take on a team they haven't seen all year when they start a home and home with the Red Wings on Friday. And it was a tough loss last night. The Sens put up a good fight, but they let it slip away at the end. And UC Sorrow shut the door. 4-1 loss to the Nashville Predators. There's some trends emerging, though. We're also going to discuss which stat sticks out most when looking back at the entirety of the season so far. And could the Senators be playing five home games in Quebec next year? Gross. This is the Locked On Senators Podcast. Your team every day. Thank you for making Locked On Senators your first listen on this Wednesday, March 30th. And Pilsy, the vultures are already swarming. La Presse, a Montreal daily newspaper, tabloid BS, comes out with a report that the Ottawa Senators could or are in discussions to play five home games in Quebec City next season. Pardon moi? Huh? Quoi? <laughs> um, yeah, this was certainly not news we expected to hear just so suddenly since Eugene Melick just passed away. And, you know, it, it was a good, we got to uh, tip our hat to everyone. I, th- I feel like the whole Twitter universe was very respectful about the whole thing. So, first off, I think that definitely deserves a shout out because there's a lot of Sens fans that maybe don't have nice things to say, but they knew to to save it. Now is not the time. And then you get, this is going to happen. Now that Eugene Melnick isn't here, people that were kind of obstacled and stifled by him before are now going to be pressing for things. And this seems to be number one on the list is Quebec City being like, all right, we need to find a way to use the Videotron uh, Center, the massive rink they built where the Quebec Remparts are playing. And they need to find a way to get an NHL team there. How are they, they going to start doing that? By showing Gary Bettman that, hey, if you have NHL teams playing here, we can make it work. We'll pack the building. We'll show you the business model, everything like that. So I think it's mostly, it's not Quebec trying to pry the Senators from Ottawa to Quebec City. It's more like a trial run, them showing, hey, Gary, we can do this. Give us a, a little chance here and we can make it happen. So I think obviously the reactions are warranted that Sens fans are a little pissed this is happening, but I think we need to cool it a little because it's, I don't think it's so much about the team moving from Ottawa as it is Quebec trying to garner interest in getting a different team. I think the initial reaction is the timing and it's pretty disrespectful less than 48 hours after Mr. Melnick passed away and you're already kind of talking about moving even a single game for the team. Fans just went through the last 18 months where they couldn't even go to the arena and yeah, say what you want. Attendance hasn't been great. There's a multitude of reasons we could take up 10 shows and not even get to all of them. But a part of me thinks this is also posturing 
for the LeBreton deal. That is that is the 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 mine here. What you're mining for for the diamond is that plot of land right at the foot of Parliament Hill. It would connect the fan base to Quebec that much easier. You could finally reach out to the francophone community. I I'm all in on that. Yeah, but. Playing in Quebec City isn't going to help the the people who live in Elmer or Chelsea or Wakefield. They don't. They're not going to drive five hours up there. It has no impact on them. They may as well do the four hour drive to Canada instead. Yeah. That to say, I'm all in on that. But the fact that it's so soon after rubs me the wrong way. I can see why season ticket holders would be disgusted. They've sat through loss after loss after loss over the last five seasons, and then next year there's still that that cherry of hope that you're, you're hoping that uh, they're finally going to compete for a playoff spot. And you want to see a 20 year old Tim Stutzla turning 21 and all these great players entering their prime and five out of 41 games at home. Like that's a fair chunk of action. Now the other side of it is the Sens are built a bidding rather for the world juniors. So would yeah. it be at that time of year so that the Sens can still play home games? Still, it's still trash, no matter what. I think if you're a season ticket holder, you already get the perks of getting first dibs on World Junior tickets. You'd want both. You're not, you're not <laughs> giving up games. So I can see why there is a huge reaction and pushback from season ticket holders, who I've seen uh, as many as five or ten post their notes on uh, on Twitter that they're emailing their their account representatives with the senators and saying, "No, that that's that's not going to fly with me. If you want my money, the team plays." in my city which is pretty fair yeah definitely and not even in the city outside of the city in canada so like that's a that's a whole nother thing and yeah i don't know the climate of the ticket holders that's kind of a whole environment i've never really been a part of or i don't know ticket holders so that definitely is a is an entirely different thing but i can see their outrage especially with covid you've been locked out of the building for all this time sure the team sucks and you probably don't want to go anyways but that's just even more reason to be like why am I holding on to these season tickets? If I'm getting locked out, the team sucks. Uh, we can't have full attendance anyways. Now, finally, we get full attendance, and now you're ripping games away. So that's fair. My uh, Something that I would kind of propose is during the regular season, it's, just, it's weird. Like, even when the Sens went to Sweden and stuff like that, for regular season games, it doesn't seem fair to the teams that are giving up home teams and that are going out of their way to travel somewhere else. So why not do this in the preseason? Like, and the idea I had, I was, I, I'm all for getting another hockey team in Quebec City. I think that would be awesome. Again, I don't know the climate in Quebec between uh, people in Montreal and Quebec City. Like, do Quebec City people cheer for the Habs? I don't think so. And I think Habs fans would hate the Nordiques coming back if they use that name. So, I, I think if we could get in the preseason, how about like proposing like three games in Quebec, one home game from the Leafs, one home game from the Habs, one home game from the Sens. So everybody in this area is giving up a home a home game to go play preseason games in Quebec. And then you can try to, you know, toss them a bone and be like, all right, you can try to show Gary Bettman, you can do this without taking away from legit NHL regular season games. Like that's not fair. So that's something I think they should do. Cause Ross, imagine the Arizona Coyotes moved up to Quebec and now you got eight Canadian teams, four in the West, four out in the East. Like that would balance things out. It would bring back, uh, there's Battle of Ontario, but a Battle of Quebec would be awesome to be a part of. We never really got to experience that. So I'm all for it, but it should come at the expense of Ottawa Senators' regular season home games.
there would be so much fallout. We're going to get into some of that, but just to give you the facts, as I feel like we got into a passion discussion right away, the newspaper tabloid, La Presse, reported on Wednesday that the Quebec government, the NHL, the Ottawa Senators, and the Quebecer uh, have held discussions with a view to bring five cents home games to the Videotron Center next season. Now, immediately that was refuted by Anthony LeBlanc in the Ottawa Sun, saying that the talks were surrounding the world juniors, but... Now the Quebec finance minister, Eric Girard, confirmed on Wednesday that interest was expressed on both sides of bringing these games to Quebec when he met with the commissioner, Gary Bettman, in January. But again, this is important. Preliminary dis- preliminary discussions is a very key part of all this. Another key part is the financial compensation because there would have to be a substantial amount of money being transferred to the senators for giving up the gate revenue giving up the the merchandise the uh, maybe advertising the deal. exactly There's the so million much. things yeah. and the anger that they're gonna have to deal with <laughs> from the fans although they've probably gotten used to dealing with it one way or another so financially it's a whole different ball game and the three opposition parties in the quebec government have all expressed reluctance to have public money be used for that i think someone's probably rich enough if they want to and again the timing of this you got to think it's someone who eventually wants an ownership stake, whether they're keeping it in Ottawa or not. That's just what I think. Or maybe it's someone who wants a team in Quebec. I'm not sure. It's just the timing of it is really, really strange. But I do want to get into a bit of the fallout from this, though. Before we get to that, however, we do have a quick word to tell you about. It's our friends at Built Bar. And I had one this morning. I've been on the early shift all week, 4 a.m. to noon. That's why I locked on centers. Coming a little later on. But how do I get through these tough mornings? I grab my Bilt Bars. And I like something sweet to wake up in the morning. So I always grab the Bilt Bar Puffs. These things are marshmallowy. To me, they're Bilt Bar's best tasting bars. Don't tell them I said that. The Puffs, their first ever marshmallow that's infused with protein. Is that good? They're fluffy. They're marshmallowy. They're 100% covered in real chocolate. They're low in calorie. They're high in protein. It's a laundry list of things that you need to know about when it comes to Bilt Bars and just how delicious they are. But also how they make you feel good and give you energy to go about your day. High protein, low cal, high fiber, low carb. Test them out yourself because at Built Bar, they're all about the taste. They make it taste delicious first, and then they figure out how to make it healthy. And I don't know how they do it, but they pull it off every single time. So go get yours today at Built.com. Use our promo code LOCK15 and get 15% off your next order. Just like that, it's promo code LOCK15 for 15% off at Built. Dot com. All right, Pilsy. So we have some more layers to peel off of this one. If the Senators were to play five out of 41 home games in Quebec, you can kiss Claude Giroux goodbye. You think he wants to spend a quarter of his home games living out of a hotel in Quebec City? Yeah, it's it's not great. And the play, like I said, it's, it's not great for the players. It's not ideal. So I think... The regular season thing has to go out the window. It can't be a regular season game. It just doesn't make sense. Whether and it's five. exhibition or preseason, it it's brutal. And and especially like, would they be like you, you talked about it? Maybe it's happening during World Juniors when uh, the CTC is being used there. So would it be all together sporadically throughout the season? Like, what would the plan be there? But that wouldn't be for next season because World Juniors is already decided where it's going to oh, be. Oh, yeah, next. yes. yeah. This is for so, 2023. So the plans, that's what they, they're talking to the Quebec government about. But mm-hmm. then this plan apparently would be for next season. So, again, 
very early stage, but the fallout would be absolutely ridiculous from fans, from a player acquisition standpoint, from a tax perspective. I believe that the taxes are higher in Quebec, if I'm not mistaken. So that means less money in the players' pockets because they're taxed for where they play that game, which is something I didn't realize until yeah. until recently. But all that to say, there there would be ripple effect going to the organization. It's the last thing that senators and their fans need right now. I think that the the opportunity despite the awful circumstances that surround it, there's an opportunity for the senators to really connect with their fan base right now. And uh, it's a very important time, not only in that, but in the rebuild. And Sens fans, I believe, want to be there to witness it firsthand in Ottawa, in Canada, home games, players sleep in their own beds at their own homes. That's 12% of the home games, Pilsy. Like, that's not a small amount. If they want to do one neutral site game, I'm all for neutral site games. I think they're they're great. You bring in and then fans will migrate to wherever the game is and watch. But I think there'd be a huge reluctance. We were saying off air, like Quebec City, great town. Want them to get a team, not mine, but want yeah. them to get a team. I would love to go there and watch a game. But if it's the Senators, I'm almost hesitant. Like, oh, but they're going to see that I bought tickets for a Quebec game. Is that going to mean any more likelihood? And right now, the likelihood that the Sens are leaving to me is absolutely zero. Yeah, there's a team in the NHL that's about to play four seasons in front of 5,000 fans at the most. They might not even sell that out, but at the most, they're playing a 5,000 seat college stadium. That's like if the Sens move to Carlton, where there's like two rows in the stands. Not quite, but still. Right. All, all that to say, I'm not a fan. If you haven't been able to tell here through the first 15 minutes. And I, I think that it's kind of bullshit that we're hearing about it right now. So I don't know. I know that there's an excitement aspect to it. If if it did happen, it'd be kind of cool for one game. But yeah. if it's like how the Buffalo Bills played in Toronto for multiple games, I hate it. I absolutely hate it. Yeah, it's it's not ideal for the Sens. And it just gives you that feeling of like you're kind of the doormat of the league. Like, okay, we, we need a guinea pig to see if NHL will work in Quebec again. Ah, let's just use the Senators. Their fans won't care. Their players won't care. We'll just uh, inconvenience them for the growth of the game. They'll sacrifice for the growth of the game. And that's a shitty feeling. So I, I don't like it for that aspect either. I Again, I'll reiterate. I love the idea of Quebec City having a hockey team again, just not at the expense of the Ottawa Senators. We'll keep you up to date when more information becomes available about this report that came out in the morning here on, on Wednesday, March 30th. We got more to get to, including the stat of the season as well. That's a nice little, it has a ring to it. Let's, let's follow that. Let's do a weekly segment that we'll probably forget about tomorrow. Stat of the season. Stat of <laughs> the right. season every week. Like that? <laughs> no, but in terms of what really stands out, because of course, Everyone knows that Sense Central is going to tweet out after the second period whether they're yeah. winning or losing. When the numbers are as egregious as they are, it's impossible not to. When they're winning, they're 18-1-2. And, and when they're losing, they're 1-29-1. Now, no team has a losing record when they're winning after 40. No team has a winning record when they're losing. But this is as extreme <laughs> as it gets, Philzy. Yeah, I mean, they're literally on both sides. There's only one outlier each way. <laughs> like, it's it's pretty damn clear which way the pattern goes after 40 minutes. And it's almost like sense hockey is like a like they say about watching basketball, right? Like, oh, don't bother watching the, the first three and a half quarters. Just tune in for the final two minutes and you'll catch the action of the game. Well, it seems the exact same for the Senators. 
Well, with the length that at the end of a basketball game takes, it would be the equivalent of saying, watch the first 40 minutes of the hockey game and then flip to the NBA for the last three minutes. Yeah, Probably take the same go. amount of time too. But, yeah. oh man, so this was obviously an easy one. But are there any other stats or things that you've noticed about this season that is either a concerning trend or one that you're hoping that can build optimism into next season? Well, I'll start with concerning because there's a lot more uh, low-hanging fruit to pick from if we're starting in that aisle. Uh how about the poor starts? Like, that's uh, yet again. Like, we thought there's no way. What what was the record? It was like 12, uh, 2, 12, and 1, their first 15 games last year. And I think it was at some point, it was the exact same yeah. start this season. Like, having slow starts like that, and that's not even a slow start. Like, you might as well, your season's almost over already just from your first 15 games and it can't happen back-to-back years. And yes, we know the injuries. We know what COVID has done. We know you didn't get the proper training camp. We know all these excuses, but back-to-back years. And especially when you're supposed to be on years of unparalleled success and it's really unparalleled sucking. I should have thought of a better word there, but that's (laughs) the first thing that came to mind when you start the season off. And then, (laughs) <laughs> it's actually have... not though because we'll talk more in the later in the week unparalleled sucking is how the detroit red wings are letting in goals right now yeah that's unparalleled great deflection ross great deflection uh and then the to follow that up kind of ties into a bad start is the one win in november like oh that was uh like those were that was tough sledding for us ross doing this podcast every day when it was just constant losing uh there was problems left, right, and center. So I'm going to point to the start of this season as the most telling stat, the most send stat of the year. That's your most send stat of the year this week? This week, yeah, yeah, this week. <laughs> that's my most send stat of the year. Another interesting one, and this might be a, a sign for optimism because last year it was way worse. I don't have the exact numbers up right now, but how many times did they get scored on first last year? It felt every time oh you God. turned on the TV, it was one nothing or Usually two nothing. It, it was like the classic Twitter uh, combo: uh, puck drop sends uh, versus whoever. Yeah. Next tweet sends down one nothing. <laughs> like nothing has happened in between yeah. puck drop and the first goal. Like that's just okay. The game started and now we move into the first goal against. Yeah, and that happened this season as well at the start, and it's pretty evident to you know compare, draw parallels between wins and scoring first. So the sends of actually done a good job of coming back here it's it's more and more recent that they score first so I, I think that that's something they can build off of they've done it 31 times and they've allowed the first goal 35 times i think that number was a lot more skewed earlier on in the season of course it's also great that they're able to bring leads home the opposite end of of what i brought up the stat there 18 one and two when leading after two periods you'd like to see them leading more after two periods than 21 times after 65 games that's uh, certainly not a a really glamorous statistic there but um there is a bit of sign of optimism that they can shut it down now uh if you have your favorite stat hit us up in the comments as well another stat that blows my mind is is still we're going to get up to the game and maybe not eric branson's best game not his worst by any stretch again leading all senators in ice time but with how he skates, if you only watched how he skates and how he breaks the puck out of his own zone, you'd think he at least has 20 points in in, uh, in the amount of games he does. Now, he played his 100th career game last night, and he's still stuck at zero goals, seven assists this season. 
that to me is is pretty concerning. At some point, if you're labeled as an offensive defenseman, you have to provide offense. But I'm sure Pillsy will have something to say about that. I will as well. We're going to get into last night's game coming up here on Locked On Senders. Pillsy, do you have a quick word right now? No, I, I got nothing for us. We can just uh, take right. a quick pause here and then we can head into the game. Okay, well, let's do it, Pillsy. Um, what uh, what are your thoughts on Eric Branstrom? Good way to kind of back head first, back rear end first into the game. <laughs> All right, well, I, I think he's doing a better job of getting the puck on net. When the last couple of weeks, DJ Smith has been harping on the decor. We're not going to win without our defensemen taking shots. And they've stepped up to the challenge. Now, do the Sens exactly have the best shooters uh, on that back end in the league? Absolutely not. Hamannick and Zaitsev, they're not always hitting the net, but they're trying. The effort's there, so you got to go to them. But with Brandstrom, uh, he had a really good chance last night. Uh, Colin White did a drop pass. He gets in. The C's split wide open for him, and he has a great lane, great spot of the ice to take a high-danger scoring opportunity. And... He, he just shoots it right into the glove of Saros, who's glove side. Like, that shot might have missed the net anyways, but Saros catches it. Like, I didn't love that. And a it's couple a bit of... A bit, of a bit of a muffin. Yeah, that's the thing. Like, it, it, it's kind of a useless, good opportunity there. And a couple of his defensive plays weren't great. And, you know, if he was still on a third pair with uh, Josh Brown or with Travis Hamannick or whoever on a third pair. Maybe you're giving him some slack, right? Like he's not getting the opportunities, but you said it. He led the the decor and maybe even all sends in ice time in last night's game. He's getting top power play unit time. He's partnered with Artem Zub, the best defenseman on the right side for him. So the excuses aren't there anymore. Like before we, we could kind of hold on to that. Like, oh, he just hasn't quite been able to break out because the chances haven't been there. The chances are there and he's getting an extended look with those chances and hasn't been able to cash in yet. Ross, still, Michael Delzato is the only defenseman on this team with the power play goal and that was in November. Crazy. Wow. Now, Eric Brand. There's, a, there's a send stat for you. There's send stat of the season today. Yeah. <laughs> uh, in uh, Branstrom last seven games he's only not played 20 minutes once it was the shootout loss at home against Florida where the Sens built a lead ultimately let it out but that's why your offensive defenseman probably won't play as much he's played as much as 27-53 in the loss to Columbus last night it was near 21 minutes he was a dash one but I don't know how are you feeling about that play he's not put in a great position it's kind of a race for the puck he Gets him to the boards. You'd like to see a little bit more of a struggle to allow the rest of his teammates to get back off of the change that they were on or get down the ice. And instead, he just gets out-muscled by, by Tanner Janot. And and all of a sudden there, that was kind of the back-breaking goal, wasn't it? It was Colton Sisson, sorry, who really muscled him off the puck. Yeah. And he gave it to uh, Janot, who scored the 3-1 goal. As Williams Martian said in the postcast, out of the two momentum goals, that one that was scored midway through the season was the momentum goal of the night. <laughs> um, yeah, and, th- and that's the thing. Like, I'm really the image of Bransom on a top pair has kind of fully faded out of view for me. At, at best, I think he can be a number four defenseman, right? Like, I still think he can be on a in a top four role, but he's probably your fourth guy, and you can't rely on him to go up against other teams' top offensive guys defensively. Like even the example you just mentioned, like those are those are bottom six guys, and 
he just can't out-muscle guys when it matters most. At least not yet. And he's still young. He's hopefully got some more growing to do. But uh, hopefully pick up some more strength uh, working out in the offseason, stuff like that. But as of now, it's, it's, not, it's not happening for him. Yeah. Now, I did like the puck movement in the first period where Ottawa had five separate power plays in the first. Shouldn't say separate because there was the one five on three and on that. And they were all kind of bunched together. Like it was hardly separated at all. It was wild. Yeah. Nashville has absolutely no discipline, but that's no. probably a story for, for another day. But Tanner Janot, by the way, did get fined for that greasy yes. knee on Brady Kachuk. And he's a big boy. I'm glad that Brady was okay because Brady was, was buzzing out there. Here's my sense stat of the day. Part three hmm. may as well be part three because there's three parts to this stat it's called Ooh. brady kachuk josh norris and drake batherson watching those three guys is very fun that's my stat because when they're out there they were one two three in expected goals four for for the sends and one two three in the, in the percentage as well and it passed the eye test every time those guys are out there they're being creative they're making plays and we always talk to yin yang how about the yin yang bang and we need oh. a third one we need a third one because they all bring different aspects. Of course, Brady can be the bang, the punch yes, to it. Makes sense. And then uh, the ying will give to to Batherson because he's yinging the puck around all over the place. And Yang and, and Bang are best friends. So. Yang, well, Yang and Bang is the sound that the puck makes when Josh Norris takes his shot with it. So I think those three guys playing on the same unit, it's just magic out there. But there's always a little controversy when there's magic because the Ottawa Senators, I don't think, really have the depth. To, to have two scoring lines right now? Do you, do you keep that line together? It's kind of the age-old question. We even heard that, and my answer is yes, spoiler alert. But hmm. do you see the merit? Because we've seen Timmy play really well with, with Drake as well. Do you spread that well through the two lines, or do you just load up the top unit? I think you just load up the top unit, like throw the fans a bone, like give them something <laughs> to be happy about. Um, and speaking of which... I, I don't know, uh, we we got Martian's take on this, but I want to hear yours and I'll give mm. my take on it. The Brady Kachuk 2-1-0 with uh, Drake Batherson, I loved that move. Like some people were, were like, well, you got a breakaway, like just go all, all in on the breakaway. I, I'm of the complete opposite. If you have a chance to make it a 2-1-0 and you're with the b- most talented guy on the goddamn team is your second guy, use him and I thought Brady did a perfect job of selling the shot while keeping available the pass and he looks over his shoulder because he's oh that's Drake behind me all right I'm gonna sell this deek 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 and Saros he has to have really good edge work because he bit on it fully because you have to bite on that if Brady Kachuk's selling it and Brady does the back pass, but it's just a little long for Batherson. So Batherson has to corral it to then lift it. If he doesn't yeah. have to corral it and he can lift it right away, that's a goal. Yeah, and that's playing on TSN highlight reels over and over and over and over and over because it would have been amazing. So I love that Brady went with that. And uh, I, I think that's the right move. And that's a creativity you get to see when you put these superstars together. Like And... Connor Brown's probably not making uh, making that play much better than Drake Batherson oh, could. So, I, I do have a question about that. But how did that play start? A sick defensive pick by Drake Batherson just stripped it right off his stick. And I talked. Well, to the I, post think, guy. I think Brady stripped it. 
Oh, with Brady? Okay, Drake had one later in the game, too. Yeah, no, Brady stripped that one for sure. Because then Drake came in and cut off the defenseman and got into position at the same time. So that's just a hockey IQ of Drake. He's like, okay, I'm going to cut off the defenseman so Brady gets the full breakaway. And then while I'm cutting it off, I'm building speed and getting open back door. And that's why plays like that can happen. Yeah, you're right. My bad. Um, there was a sick uh, play later on in the game, though. Baston just can facilitate. He had that saucer that went right over to Brady there later, yeah. but Saros made a, a great save. That was in the second period. A couple other notes from this game. Uh, Josh Norris, that looked bad and painful. When he went down, took a shoulder to to the chin. Out of a few dirty plays in the yeah. game, I didn't really think that was one. I think it was just kind of – it rode up his, his arm a little bit. Anyways – uh, definitely wasn't suspendable, I didn't think, but really good to see Josh Norris go back because he looked like he was in a different planet for a couple minutes. Yeah, and that's it's kind of unfortunate. Like we're in the media, so like I get it, but they shouldn't have been filming uh, him getting checked out in the tunnel. I know if you're like, oh, they they're not far back enough, we can watch this, and like obviously as fans, you want to see that, but. I feel like when a guy is possibly concussed, like he should at least be given the the space to get checked out with that without being zoomed in on. But that's that's another story for uh, for another day. But yeah, no, just to quickly go back at that, like the dressing room's right there. Like yeah. if, they, if they wanted to make sure, but think about it, they have so much on their mind in that moment. That's they, the thing. They aren't wondering like, oh, there's a camera like 300 level that might get this. Fair. Yeah, I see both sides of that one. Yeah, that's the thing. That's just something I thought of. Like, if I'm Josh Norris and I'm... the biz. Yeah, yeah, exactly. If I'm Josh Norris and I'm, like, woozy, like, I don't want people to see me, like, falling yeah. over or, or anything like that. And and you, you got to protect the players in that way. Um, one thing I do want to get into, uh, Ross, is there was some discourse on Twitter about DJ Smith calling that timeout early in yes. the game. How, how did you feel about that one? I liked it because okay, nice. it wasn't there. If it was power play one... Boom, power play two, like it like it was at that moment. I would say no, but they had already had a power play like a minute before. So at that point, why not? Your first unit, if they're gassed and if they're if they tell you like, hey, like we've been out here the last like minute and a half out of two minutes. Yeah. Because they weren't wrong. Like, talk about having trouble getting all four lines into the game when you're getting power play after power play early. So I think at that point you lean on your leaders. Like if uh if Brady or Drake or Norris, like, hey, I a minute would be good here then then why not because you know what hindsight 2020 but it worked yeah and that's the thing i thought it was a good like some people are of the mind like why would you waste a timeout in the first period when you're already up two man advantage and then you can't challenge later in the game right yeah that's another good point but i thought it was good because it gives because the top six unit they were the only ones on the ice in that game because Austin Watson got on the ice for like 15 seconds just to get him out for that first face-off, first time in Nashville kind of thing. Yeah. And then it was get the top two lines rolling, then the power play comes. And another thing is uh, Nashville's down two penalty killers in that situation. So, like, like that's like uh, like a like a bleeding lamb, like just walking across a wolf's den. Like, you want to make sure, all right, this is our chance to pounce. Let's get everything lined up and let's make sure we know what we're doing. So I thought it was a great play, a great timeout, and it ended up resulting in a goal almost immediately after. So I, I think that was solid by DJ. That worked out well. One thing that didn't is well, I just mentioned I wanted to bring something up, something else up, and it's it's Connor Brown. Like what an absolute mm-hmm. warrior he was. Your standout wasn't he in last night's game? Yeah. But have you ever had less confidence when a guy's lining up for a penalty shot? 
I honestly, there wasn't a single part, not a fiber in the tip of my pinky that thought Connor Brown was going to score that at all. Like he had a better chance on the breakaway when he was tied up of it going in than when he's all alone. And plus he was, uh, I don't know the timekeepers or whatever get, did him a solid because he was absolutely gassed. Like, yeah. So just to run through the play, he's on the PK. He blocks a one-time slap shot from, I'm not sure who, but it gets him in a sensitive spot, maybe the stomach. And then he's on the ice for like two minutes laboring around while he's in pain, killing a penalty. And then he gets a breakaway and he's absolutely so tired before the, the penalty shot. He's like a bowled over, like huffing and puffing, <laughs> like, Holy, what a warrior on that play. So I had to shout him out for that. But yeah, there was UC Saros was feeling it. There was no way he was beating him on a one-on-one situation. But you still got to give stick taps. Like I always say, sure, Connor Brown doesn't capitalize on them. But creating offense when you're on the penalty kill is pretty damn impressive, even if you can't score on it. Two other things I want to bring up from this game. Then we've got a quick prospect note. And then we'll point you in the direction of the postcast. Postcast, if you haven't heard it yesterday, uh, we got Aleem's Martian immediate reaction following the game last night. It was a 4-1 loss to Nashville. I don't know if I said that at all. We just got right into it. <laughs> so, all right. Well, there you go. There's the uh, who, what, where, when, why. Yeah. The Ottawa Senators lost 4-1 to the Nashville Predators. Matthew Shane. I don't know. Okay, so if you made it this far in the episode, if you have or haven't, let me know in the comments if you got my reference at the start of the postcard last night. Because these two looked at me like like I was. No, I I got it. I was just so focused on what I needed to say, I I couldn't tag on to it. So I I got you, buddy. It was good. I said that the Matthew Shane empty netter felt like a kick in the nuts, which is what he said when Zach Smith was put on waivers. Okay. So he but gets it wasn't a back-breaking goal. momentum goal, just to be clear. No, it certainly wasn't. But uh, <laughs> he ultimately does, I mean, technically last two minutes of the game, but it's an empty netter. He deserved one after hitting the post on a yeah. wide-open net. And also, no Mark Borbietsky, which sucks. I hope that when these two teams play in a couple weeks in Ottawa, that he can be in the lineup. because a kid, a dude. too, I think. Yes. Was that why a... he missed the game? No, he's, he's hurt. Oh. I forget. It's a minor injury. But... He's the kind of guy, it's not like Chris Weidman. He's the kind of guy that deserves a tribute video and a standing ovation. This guy ate pucks for the Ottawa Senators and smashed bodies and smashed faces in. And then somehow, maybe one of the weirdest character arcs ever, became an offensive defenseman his last year. Scored the most goals on the Sens' blue line. Yeah. Glad he got his money. Glad that uh, that he's still doing well, but hope that he's in the lineup next time. Okay, Anton Forsberg, your thoughts on the first goal against where the trapezoid yeah. doesn't move and nor did the puck, and ultimately he couldn't touch it. Yeah, I, I know you're hot about this one. I was being hashtag goalie friendly on the postcast last night, being like, well, it was a weird bounce off the boards and it was spinning like it was kind of a messed up play. I don't blame him for that happening. Obviously, there's nothing you can do, but... I watched the replay again. Where I do blame him, Ross, is at the point where he's stuck standing there and the puck has stopped moving and it's not in the trapezoid. His first reaction is to be like, oh, I'm a goalie. I better go goalie in the net now. He should have been like, okay, I can't play the puck as a goalie right now. I'm now a defenseman. What he should have done is stayed there and tried to to stop um, McCarron from having so much speed and momentum. Like at that point, 
you're not getting to the net before he is. So just don't let him get to the net. I wish he would have not, not Aaron Delved the situation, but I wish he would have stood his ground a little and tried to poke check any which way uh, McCarron tries to go rather than be like, oh, I better get back to my net because he wasn't beating him there. So that was one thing I think instinctly he should have reacted differently, but it's a weird play. So I'm not that upset about it. It's a very strange play. I didn't love it. And somebody pointed out in our YouTube comments, I believe, and shout out everyone for subscribing on YouTube. It does move the needle for us. We just hit a all-time high 50,000 downloads this month, which is just absolutely sick. Of course, the trade deadline helps in there too. And if you can, please subscribe on YouTube. That'd be great. Subscribe, but if you prefer to listen to the show rather than watch it, doesn't, doesn't bother us. We've had some people ask where it helps to listen more. You know what? Do it on all of them and tell your friends because one turns to two, turns to four, turns to eight. Math guy. Nice. Um, that's exponential growth. Great. Send scientists are going to be on our case for that one. Um, I've got a stat of the season of the day. It cool. was just written in uh, by James at Positive Sends Fan. And this is a very good point. The Auto Senders have scored 130, 170 goals this year, 31st in the National Hockey League. And yes, you can say that Josh Norris missed 20 games. Drake Batherson missed 25 games. They still need scores. They are desperate for scores. Connor Brown's great. He's playing at a 60-point pace, but he's not leading the team in goals like he did last year. He's getting as many opportunities, if not more. But they need they need finishers on this team for next season. That is 100% certain. Um, did I have any last things for you? We talked last night about how Tim Stutzla is at 40 points. So go listen to the postcast if you're curious whether we believe he can get 10 more in the final 16 games and find his way to 50. It's a great milestone for him. But Pillsy, final note, it's Tyler Boucher. Shootout game winner. Could have used him on the penalty shot there when Connor Brown went in. Similar type moves. Like they go in, they both rip wrist shots. Although Boucher, kind of nice with it, moving and and altering the pace of of his uh, feet. Yeah, I love that Boucher shootout goal. And especially because when you think of Tyler Boucher, you're like, okay, his best attributes is his physicality. Uh, He was the the most physical player in the draft EP uh, tagged him. He's a guy that's going to get the puck off his stick real quick. He's a guy that's going to battle in front. All these kinds of things. They kind of like Brady Kachuk, right? They don't really translate to the shootout. So you're like, oh, okay, what's his shootout move going to be when it's just him one-on-one with a goalie? I love this move because he starts in going really, really slow. And then, like you said, picks up the pace out of nowhere. And what most players would do is they would start slow and then pick up the pace and then try to use their speed to deke around the goalie. And that's what the goalie's expecting when you go zero to a hundred real quick like that. But He doesn't do that. He gets the shot off because the goalie's so focused on which way is he going to use his speed to get around me, but he just gets the shot off instead. So I thought that was uh, some master manipulation there by Tyler Boucher keeping the goalies on his toes. I completely agree. I love it. I want to see more from him. Of course, it doesn't count as a point to being in the shootout, but certainly counts for the confidence factor, and they're going to need more going down the stretch. So, okay. Uh, Ridley Gregg might return tonight. feel like we haven't talked about Ridley Gregg in forever, Pilsy. Uh, he's on a 12-game point streak right now. He just hasn't been able to play. I mean, he can't score if you don't play, so uh, definitely stoked to get him back in action here. Is is Brandon going to make the playoffs? How's that yeah, looking? Yeah, but they might be a first-round knockout for a team, and if that's the yeah, case, okay. there's there's still a few games left. Uh, actually, sends on sends crime tonight. If 
if Ridley Gregg's back, they're in Prince Albert, take on Ooh. Carson Latimer. Lats is uh, on a bit of a cool streak right now, but he's a streaky scorer right now. Definitely. Hopefully uh, next year he can, he can get that consistency up to where we know he can. We know he can, buddy. He's uh, he's, a, he's an absolute beauty. He'll get there. Um, I'm looking at the standings right now, and they will be the next team to clinch a playoff spot. I believe okay. if I'm reading this properly, there's uh, 12 games left in the season, and they're the sixth seed right now. So they're going to be in tough if and when they do make the playoffs. So we'll keep keep a tabs on whether or not Ridley Gregg could come and join Belleville down the stretch afterwards. Jake Sanderson, no update there, but hopefully when the Sens get back to Ottawa, the schedule just makes it so weird. They're going to practice in Detroit tomorrow, and I don't know. He's probably just skating with Pinto and and back at at the CTC. That's all right. As long as he's getting familiarized with, uh, with his surroundings, that's all good. Hopefully he can get back from that hand injury sooner rather than later. Any final notes, Pilsy, before we go? No, just thanks everyone for, for the support. Like Ross said, we hit 50K. We're, we're chugging along with the ticket sales, the group ticket sales for April 23rd. If you haven't already, go get your tickets at uh, lower prices for all of us that we can enjoy the game. Keep letting us know if you have ideas for the meet and greet. We're working on some merch stuff as we speak. So good vibes. Good vibes here at the Locked On Senators podcast. Yeah, there certainly is. And we're looking forward to the uh, the conclusion of the season and, and what questions will arise going in to the offseason. So for more, head to at Send Central on Twitter. That's where we put out the question asking you what the most prevalent stat is from this Send season. So you can either have your say there. There's tons of great replies that you can read and interact with, or you can make the comment on our YouTube page as well and, and remind you, to let me know whether you got my joke at the start of the postcast. And if nobody did, I will come in with shame to tomorrow's show. For today, though, we say goodbye. Thanks for following along, making us your first listen of the day. It really does mean a lot. For Brandon Piller, I'm Ross Levitan. This has been the Locked On Senators Podcast, your team every day.